congregation. Thank you, Rob, for sharing from your heart. It goes directly in line with what I'll be sharing this morning uh, in our study, especially on the uh, verse of the hymn we just sang, uh, the, last, the third verse, where it says, prone, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Our study is focusing on faith, uh, faith in God, and we're looking at Abraham and his life. But in order for us to appreciate uh, the extent and the power and the effect that faith has in someone's life, in our life, it's of necessity that we have to look at our frailties, our flaws, and our failures. Because through those lens of, of, of failures and flaws that are with us every day, only then are we able to come to an understanding of the effect and power of faith and trust and hope in God and how it lifts our lives above who we are on our own. This morning, uh, it will again be uh, kind of referencing of, of how we began this study with Abraham and we're observing the change, and that's what I said at the very beginning. Faith in God is a process. I loved the idea, as I've shared and probably uh, will continue even more so as, as I get older, I've realized that I like to share the same stories over and over and over. Um, I was thrilled when I erroneously thought that when I became a Christian that everything would just be a relief. What I didn't understand and discovered later was that everything was wiped clean of the past, but that was the beginning of a struggle uh, that I would, I would always have and still to this day do, of not trusting myself or not trusting my own wisdom, but instead trusting God uh, for the life that I live and the steps that I'm taking. And it's no different for you. And so it's, it, it's been important to me to look at this through the lens of living by faith in spite of or regardless of our frailties, our flaws, and our failures. And Abraham is not the only example, only, only one in the scriptures, but he is one that is a prime example of how his faith in God, though when he, when he began his walk trusting the Lord, it seemed to be uh, in an infant stage, but as we observe his life, we see that his faith is, is uh, maturing, we would say. He's growing. Remember, we, 
when he began, when he first decided to trust the Lord and, and leave and go to the promised land, he was 75 years old. That means that there's been, there were 75 years of just living like he wanted to or how he thought. And so it's, to me, remarkable and phenomenal that at that age, he decided he wanted to do things different or he wanted to follow the Lord. Now, we saw in the first, in the first part where even though he was following the Lord and he was trusting God, uh, he decided to embark on a journey on his own, go down to Egypt, ended up lying about his wife, ended up doing all kinds of things that were not part of what we would say a Christian life or a life of faith. But, but what was significant was not his failure. To me, that was a season of failure. And it was because he had the flaws that we all have. We sometimes think that our way is the best way. In fact, I've been very guilty of saying if the whole world would do and think like I think, it would be a better world. Uh, but I know that that's not going to happen. My other phrase that I say is the world doesn't operate like I think. So we all have that flaw. We all have that feeling. But what we see here and what we're, we're seeing each week is that his faith lifts him above his flaws and lifts him above his frailties. And the reason that that is significant is because our frailties or our flaws ultimately is what leads us to failures in our life. And, and yet we see that when he trusts God, he begins to rise above it. Still has him, but he begins to rise above it. And it is the same with us. It would be great when we, became, when we become a Christian that every frailty or flaw that we have would just simply disappear. But here's what happens. What disappears is our guilt of sin. God takes care of that. But then it's up to us to live every day and engage in that struggle. And each day we trust God, wherever we are, whatever road we're on, we trust God to guide us, which then, in my opinion, gives us a higher ground and a higher life which then to me is, uh, I can say with confidence to anybody, you don't have to settle for the life that you have if you're unhappy. You can have a higher life, but it only comes by trusting God and having faith in Him. So, let me share some narrative this morning before I get to the real crux of what I want to talk about. Faith lifts us above our frailties, our flaws and our failures. If you remember, Lot and Abraham parted ways. Abraham had begun to, cha began to change in his, uh, in his, even his attitude. Originally, we saw that he was very, very self-absorbed. Uh, he, 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 he wanted to take care of himself more than anyone else, more than his wife. But then we saw that when he went back and built an altar of God, and started following God again, uh, then things changed. So we find that with, when it came to, to Lot, 
He gave Lot the first choice, and Lot chose uh, the valley and the Dead Sea, which uh, were, there were towns there, Zoar, Sodom, and Gomorrah. And it was a beautifully, you know, green valley and everything. And, and Abraham was, was willing and he was ready to let Lot choose what he wanted and he would trust God. And then God took him and showed him what ultimately he was going to have. Well, okay, things were going along. Abraham decided to go and live at an area called uh, uh, Mamre, which was a very fertile area up even uh, north of the dead, or yeah, it would be north. And uh, one day, he probably, you know, had just, I guess, resolved or found peace and contentment where he was, because we don't hear anything about Abraham during this time frame. What we do hear, though, is where Lot chose, and the scriptures tell us that when Lot chose to go into that valley and to live there, one of the little footnotes in the scripture says, and the, and the, and the men of Sodom and Gomorrah were exceedingly evil. They were very wicked. So Lot chose to go to a pretty place, but it was a bad place. And sometimes, you know, we, we can kind of, I guess, blow over our decisions, but there's a real, I think, a, a real lesson here. If we, if we choose, if we choose to get in the, uh, 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 the surroundings where evil is, we're foolish and we're naive to think that evil will not ultimately affect us. Uh, sometimes it will affect us to where we become participants, but other times we just simply are affected because we become casualties of evil. And so this is what happened. In Lot's area, uh, there were four kings in another, four, four kings uh, that decided to make war on the five kings or the five territories down where Lot lived. So the four kings, they began to uh, battle and, and do battle around all the surrounding, and ultimately they made their way down to the valley where Lot was. The scriptures tell us that the four kings defeated the five kings. In fact, it says that the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and Adma, and Zebulun, they went out to meet these other four kings. But when they went out, they, they met on a battlefield that had tar pits and swamps, and they were defeated. And the kings ran off into the mountain. In fact, the scriptures say that in the valley, it was full of uh, asphalt pits, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Now, it also says that the kings that were successful, the four kings that came down from the north, they were successful, and they ended up taking all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and their provisions, but they also took Lot and all of his family and all of his goods. So in my mind, you know, we could rationalize that if we were to look at this and say, well, you know, that just seemed to be a happenstance. I was at the wrong, Lot could say, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time and it'll probably get better. But I think that it should be uh, reworded a little bit. I think it's more along this line. If you think, if you think well, you'll choose well. 
And if you choose well, you'll live well. So when we look at Lot, Lot did not choose well. He chose beauty, but he ignored evil. He chose the the wonder of it, but now he's suffering the consequences of it. So it all started there that he did not choose well, put himself down in that valley, which will not be the last time that he's in trouble, by the way. We'll get to that a little later. Uh, But got down there, and, and because these kings, these four kings, decided to come and, and, and do war with the five kings, he happened to be there, he was a casualty, they took him, and he was going to be a prisoner and lose everything he had. Now, there was one person that escaped. They came and made it back and told Abraham, who had lived, was living in kind of a remote area, beautiful area, by the way, but nonetheless, he dwelt there. Many, many trees. In fact, that's what the scriptures say, the Teremoth trees of, of Mamre. And he, he was there, and one who had escaped came and told Abraham what had happened. Four kings defeated the five, and they ended up taking Lot, your nephew. And they're all gone. Well, this is where we start seeing, I think, the effect of faith and trust in God. I can easily imagine early on in the story of Abraham that he may have heard that, but as we saw, he was so worried when he went down to Egypt about his own life that he was willing to do anything and everything just to protect his life. But it's different. Because he has uh, reinstilled worship in his life to God and trusting God. And so here's what happened. He, he thought about it. He, he made a decision. And here's what it says. Abraham, when he was told, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. And he went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So we're way up. Um, He brought back all the goods, but he also brought back Lot and all of his goods, as well as all the women and the people. The difference in Abraham here that we see is even though Lot didn't make the right choice, we're seeing that now Abraham is beginning to make the right choices pretty much day in, day out. Not that it will always be that way, but, but now we're seeing where his faith is, is leading him to do just simply the right thing. It was not an emotional thing. I think that for Abraham, it was more of just the mindset and a determination and that he was simply going to do what he thought and what he felt that God would want him to do, which we'll see in the scriptures in a little bit. And so he decided to go and do something that was just and that was go and uh, deliver a lot and get everything back. What's interesting, though, the scriptures do not say that he slaughtered anyone. All he did was just chase them down, get the stuff back, and headed back. Well, as he was coming back, the scriptures tell us that the king of Sodom, at first people thought he was killed in the war, but he wasn't. The king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, from what we can tell, they went into the mountains. In other words, they went to battle. It was a little more gnarly than what they thought. Then they decided to to go to the mountains. Well, when the battle was over and the four kings were taking it, they decided to come back down from the mountains, all right? 
So the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham as he was coming back with all, all the captives and the food and, the, and everything. But there was someone else that was there, and it was the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is a very strange figure, and we won't go into a lot of it, but I will say this. Throughout even the New Testament, we find that Melchizedek was a real person, and, and, the, and what we truly believe, linguistically, language, history, uh, is that Melchizedek was the king of what was then Jerusalem, all right? The reason we say that is because if you look at the, how Jerusalem is spelled, you have Jeru, God, Salem, all right? So he was the king of Salem, but he was also a priest. And he came and he met Abraham at the same time. The king of Sodom was there. And he brought out bread and wine and because he was the priest of, of God most high. And he blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And so Abraham then gave him a, a tithe of everything that he had brought back. Now, what's interesting here is the contrast between the king of, the king of Sodom and Melchizedek. The king of Melchizedek, I mean the king of Salem, Melchizedek, knew where victory came from and he honored Abraham because he felt like Abraham was also following and trusting and placing his faith in God. Whereas the king of Sodom had a kind of a different take on it. The king of Sodom just came to him and said, uh, he said to Abraham, well give me the persons back and you can take all the goods. In other words, let's strike a deal. You give me the people and you can take things. This is another difference that I see in Abraham from early on. Early on, we know that Abraham was very concerned about his own self-well-being. He was, uh, that's why he ended up lying to Pharaoh. That's why he's he was saying that Sarah was his sister and, uh, and not his wife because he was afraid for his own life. But here we see something a little, a little different. And the difference is because of his faith in God and his trust and faith in God is what is lifting his life up above how he normally was, which the footnote is, it will do that everywhere. You trust God. You trust God, and you'll receive honor that you never thought you would get. You put your faith in God, and you'll find joy in your life that you never thought you would see. You put your faith in God, and He will lift your life up higher than what you ever thought you would be able to experience. And it's all because, not because we have it within our own character, Within our own selves, all of us, we're, we have to struggle with our flaws and our failures and all that. But faith in God is what lifts us up beyond that to the point that failures will not define you. Your flaws won't define you. Your frailties won't define you. Your faith in God will define you. And that's what Melchizedek was saying. Blessed is Abraham who worships 
the God most high. But then you have the king of Sodom. So he comes and he says, well, give me the people and take the goods. Now, again, I remember, I remember Abraham when he was talking to Pharaoh. When Abraham was first beginning and he was talking to Pharaoh, he was doing anything and everything to preserve his life. He didn't want to, he did not want to offend Pharaoh. He didn't want to do anything wrong. But here we see him a little different. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, and here is we see faith. We see trust in God. We see, we see determination. And that's the difference that faith in God makes in each of our lives. It changes us. Instead of being um, willy-nilly, instead of being wishy-washy, we become dedicated, committed, faithful to not ourselves, but to God. To God. And we end up living lives we never thought we would be able to live. We end up being more disciplined than we ever thought we could be. We, ended up, we end up being kinder, uh, a better neighbor, a better person than what we ever thought we would be simply because it is God who is lifting us up out of who we are. That's what Paul meant when he said, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. And that is absolutely true. But here's what Abraham said to the king of Sodom. Look him in the eye. I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he told the king of Sodom, I will take nothing from a thread to a small sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, because you might say, I have made Abraham rich. I find that so wonderful. I mean, you talk about a change in a, in a person's life, how he was. Originally, he was um, fearful. Uh, he was fearful of Pharaoh. Originally, Abraham was willing to uh, uh, subdue his own fear by being deceptive, all kinds of things. But here, he's looking the king of Sodom straight in the eye, and he says, I will not take one thing from you because it's from God, not you. So that brings me to, to what actually has happened with Abraham and and how has his faith affected him and 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 so we then can ask how does our how can our faith in God affect us well the first thing is that we read in that I have raised my hand to the Lord he made a vow to the Lord he made a vow we live our lives making promises to everything and everybody. And sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't. And depending on how faithful we are to carry out what we say, sometimes people say, well, yeah, they're a person of their word. Or sometimes they'll say, yeah, you can't trust what they say. That was yesterday. Today's another day. But when we make a vow to God, if we make a vow to God, let me say, it's always on your shoulder that you've made a, God, made a vow to your creator, the one that controls, the one that is. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes says this, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. 
He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill what you have vowed. When Abraham came back from Egypt, remember what I said, he came back to where he first built the altar and he called upon God. He made a vow. After his failure, he came back and he made a vow. And so we know that, that, that his faith in God was, was uh, concreted in his, in his vow to God. The second thing that I, that I see that his faith is, it moved him from being, uh, from being dishonest to just simply being honest. He understood because, uh, because of his faith in God and his calling upon God in his life, he began to discover and begin to understand what is it that God admires in us. Honesty is one. In fact, the scripture writer of Proverbs says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now here's where that comes into play. When, Sodom and, when the king of Sodom said, you, you take the things... And I'll take the people, and we won't tell anybody. All right? That's, that happened before, by the way, with Achan in the Old Testament. He decided, and, and with, you know, other ones, they decided to kind of do things on the sly, and they come out ahead, but God saw, and God rectified it. The point is, is that Abraham understood that truthfulness, is honored by God. So he's very truthful. He said, I will not take one thing from you. Did you know we're encouraged to think in our daily lives on truthfulness and things that are good? In fact, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he says, whatsoever things are true, whatever's true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, things that are of good report, Think on those things. We are encouraged, if we walk that walk and make that journey of faith, we are encouraged not to always be looking at the bad of people. We're encouraged to be always assuming that there's good. And there is good. And we need to think on those things because it will affect. So I think that that affected Abraham in that way. Also, which is very close to just honesty, is, is integrity. But integrity... Here's the thing. Integrity is, means that you, you adhere to uh, a code. Uh, you have integrity. You're going, to follow, you're going to follow the code. You're going to follow the instructions. You're going to follow the rules. The covenant he made with God, the promise he made to God, he was going to follow. He was not going to allow anyone to rob God's glory, and he wasn't going to be a part of it. In fact, this is, I think, an example that he, what, how faith has changed his life, is now we see Abraham beginning to think well. And so he's acting well, and he ultimately will be well in his life. His life will be very well. The integrity that I'm referring to, of course, is, is God's standard not ours. We saw early on in the life of Abraham that he decided, when he decided to go down to uh, Egypt, he was operating on his own standard. 
The scriptures are very clear about that. There is a way which seemeth right in, unto man, but the end of are always ways of death. Faith leads us away from our own standard and sets before us God's standard. And we're always aspiring to that. Otherwise, if it's our standard, I'll tell you what we do. We look at the splinter in other people's eyes and we neglect the, the, the timbers or the logs in our own. That's what Jesus said. You know, that's what you do. Why are you looking at the splinter of other people when you have timbers in your own eye? Well, that's from following our own standards. Abraham was moving away from that. His faith was lifting him up to where he was following God's standards. But then the, the other thing that, that faith, I think his faith in God really began to change him was Whereas before he was very, very selfish. I mean, I still will read over when he started how he was trying to reconcile that it was okay to lie to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh that that's my sister, not my wife, and then tell his wife, I'm going to say you're my sister so that he won't kill me. I mean, I'm trying to think, how do you reconcile that? And then it dawns on me, we can always reconcile what we want to do. We can always rationalize what we decide is right. But that's the flaw. The flaw is we don't always know what's right. We don't always see what's wrong. And that's why we need a higher standard, God, God's standard. Because our standards change. In fact, <laughs> our standards change from the day... You know, we're born throughout our life. We, we change because of our, our standards change because of age, because of seasons, because of circumstances, all kinds of things. God's standard never changes. It's always the same, which makes it actually very simple. Follow God and you'll never be wrong. So uh, in this, I see where his faith is beginning to shape him. But, but the final thing is this. He had a temptation that he resisted. He had the opportunity. Actually, the only one that would have known about it would have been the king of Sodom and Abraham. I mean, they were kind of doing their own thing. No, but he resisted that. And I think that that is very, very important in understanding how faith affects our life. You know, the scriptures tell us that you know, if we submit to God, and if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. That's good. That is good, because sometimes God is the only one who will draw near to us in our troubles. So, what does that mean for us? Well, in closing, let me take this final phrase, what he said, I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours. First of all, the scriptures are very clear. We, in our walk of faith, our faith strengthens us to depart from evil. You know, uh, Paul wrestled with this and he wrote to the church at Rome uh, in, in the book of Romans but I'm always struck by his discussion. And there's been a lot of discussion of, you know, what it meant. 
But I mean, the words of human nature ring out to me. He says, that that I try to do, I, I don't do. That that I don't want to do, I do. And then he says, and it's almost a, it's a sad translation. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then boom, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. You see, faith lifts us up above who we are without God, who we were. Our faith in God is what elevates our lives. It doesn't smother it, as some people would have you to believe. The Christian life is not about killing your life. The Christian life, the life serving the Lord, is about gaining life as it should be. The scriptures tell us, the psalmist wrote, he says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way. Our faith in God helps us do that. But one that I've referred to, and this will be the final, uh, final statement, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is what Abraham was doing. Lean not into your own understanding, which he had done, but he was not doing then. In all your ways acknowledge him. He just did that with the king of Sodom. You're not going to be my thunder robber. This is God who has done this. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, and he will be health to you. I think that as we watch and we study Abraham, that we, we need to understand that this is preserved for our benefit. God doesn't need it in the Bible or scriptures to remember it. He has preserved it for us to learn certain things. And, and in this case, our faith, leads us to a higher way. It lifts us up above our, our flaws, our failures, frailties, whatever. Our faith in God and trust in Him is what lifts us up that we have a life and can have a life that we never thought possible. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for the time to be in Your house and to reflect and ponder on Your Scriptures. I pray today, Lord, that we would just really give pause and understand and appreciate how that just simply trusting in you, not trusting in our own way, but trusting in you, seeking your guidance, honoring you whenever we can, bringing your name before our own hearts and minds and those around us, Lord, how that it does give us a life that we just simply never thought we could have. I pray today, Lord, for anyone here who struggles. Your offer is for everyone. And that's why the Lord came and, and gave that offer to each one of us. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I pray today, Lord, that you would bless anyone who is here that needs to trust you Guide them, and we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning uh, as we have a, a hymn. We'll sing this, uh, this hymn.
And as we do, just give thought. If you'd like to come and pray at the altar, you can. But you certainly can pray in your pew where you stand. God knows your heart. And he hears your prayers. So as we sing, what page? In 423. 423. I need the Would you like to come this morning? Have a need in your life?